Hello, I'm Guillermina Gonzalez, Executive Director of the Delaware Arts Alliance, your host for today. And with me, we have the tremendous pleasure of having Ben Hall, Major Gifts Manager of the Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Well, uh, how can we are not... Of course, we need to have you in the show just by knowing from our good friend, Laura Scanlon, uh, the National sure. Endowment for the Arts. She was praising uh, the magnificent visit uh, she uh, had with you a few weeks ago and thought, uh, well, this is about time for us to have that kind of conversation with Ben because she was very well impressed, and I'm sure we're going to be impressed. Um, so thank you. Thank you for your time. And listen, um, tell us, tell us about the Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, why, perhaps, and when was the Nashville uh, Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum created? Sure. First of all, let me say thanks so much to you and thanks to our friend Laura Scanlon and all the folks at the National Endowment of the Arts. We so enjoyed her visit a few weeks ago and just really was able to, to roll out the red carpet and, and show her every, everything we had to hide here. So it was a lot of fun and there I, I hope go. to see her back here soon and, and that invitation certainly extends to you as well. Hey, yes. The Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum uh, started in 1967, a few years before that actually, when uh, Francis Preston, who's a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame now, and uh, was at that time starting a uh, publisher's rights organization called BMI here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Of course, it, it's so, uh, so helpful to songwriters and to other members of the entertainment community. She was commissioned by uh, the World's Fair which I believe was meeting in Chicago that year to go and present a, a pavilion of sorts uh, to sort of uh, draw attention to Nashville and the music scene that was happening here. Country music was really picking up at that time in the mid-60s. It mm -hmm. had found its way in the, in the spotlight. Lots of artists like Johnny Cash and Glenn Campbell, uh, Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, people of that nature, mm -hmm. Porter Wagner, many of them had their own television programs. They were featured on national network TV. Uh, they, there was really a, a, a great time for country music, a real golden age for it. So there was some national interest, some international interest, actually. So Francis Preston was about to make that trip and to put together a nice presentation to raise awareness of what was happening here. And she said, you know, it's really a shame that we don't have... Uh, some, some permanent structure in Nashville to celebrate this music. Mm -hmm. So the Country Music Hall of Fame was born out of that um, idea. Uh, the music was fairly new at the time. You know, recording um, had really picked up in the late 20s mm -hmm. and uh, radio later on. Cowboy movies, of course, in the 30s raised awareness. Right. A lot of the, the hillbilly music. Mm -hmm. The Grand Ole Opry here in Nashville was heard in 38 states and Canada and Mexico and that was uh, really a, a big drawing card as well. Mm -hmm. So when there there was an opportunity to to have a, a structure here to pay tribute to this new and growing genre of music, that really took off. And throughout uh, the 70s and 80s, 
end of the 90s, we were located on Music Row, Historic Music Row here in Nashville, which is the area where all the recording studios are and, and uh, all, all the great music is recorded there and the business of music really happens. Mm-hmm. And the, the Hall of Fame was located there in a, in a small building, a barn-shaped building. Um, it was very popular and attracted many guests. In 2001, uh, the building moved to the downtown area, and we mm-hmm. built uh, the building that we're in now, 150,000-square-foot structure. Uh, and, and I must add that over the course of that period of time, between 1967 and 2001, mm-hmm. uh, a, a huge archive collection started to roll in, and we started to become the sort of the Smithsonian of country music, mm-hmm. having such uh, access to artists and access to collectors and, and family members. We were collecting recordings. We were collecting photographs, instruments, clothes, uh, moving images. And uh, after we moved here in '01, that collection quickly became uh, an unprecedented collection of over two and a half million objects. Uh, wow, that half, big! That big, a half million photographs, wow. 250,000 sound recordings, hours and hours and hours of moving image, over uh, several hundred musical instruments. Uh, clothes from from musical articles, clothing from musical artists uh, from the very earliest days of country music. So the collection is really the the the, the source and the center of it all. Mm-hmm. When we moved here in '01, we had more space, of course, to do the educational programs that we'll we'll get into a little later. Yeah. But uh, research was conducted out of our archive. Mm-hmm. Visitors started to tour the galleries at a regular pace. We soon sort of outgrew that 150,000 square foot space and needed to expand. So in April of last year, 2014, mm-hmm. we conducted a, a, a capital campaign to raise some money, a $100 million project Whoa. to expand the building by mm-hmm. 210,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. A new archive space, an education center, um, a wonderful event spaces, 750-seat theater, event mm-hmm. hall, all these great, great spaces to accommodate the growing needs that we had here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's up and running as of April of 2014, and, and we're uh, seeing record crowds here. Um, 2014 closed with 970,000 visitors mm-hmm. uh, through the doors here, a 45% increase over the year before that. It's really uh, Nashville is the it city right now, and the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum is the place to be, and we're really happy about that. Oh, my goodness. This is this is not only a massive investment, but it is a, a, a research place for country music. Exactly, exactly. So not, not only a, a great attraction for uh-huh. guests to come and learn on the surface, and the way our museum galleries, of course, are, are arranged, there are many contemporary artists represented here. There's just as many contemporary artists that uh, folks who listen to the country music radio now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would hear. Um, but the, the core of what we do starts in the, but even before the 1920s and, and builds on the country music story. There's a very strong narrative mm-hmm. for country music that, mm-hmm. that parallels itself so well with the story of American history, particularly in the middle class, from the turn of the 20th century right up to today. Mm-hmm. And country music sort of provides the soundtrack for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're really honored to be able to tell that story through artifact presentation, exhibit interpretation, and so forth. But in addition to that, the archive is the core of which this massive collection 
provides opportunities for educational programs. Mm -hmm. There are song manuscripts there. There are, are um, um, again, recordings that only exist in our archive. So research is conducted there by all the preeminent American music scholars in the mm -hmm. world who would access that collection to uh, really produce some outstanding works. It is, I mean, I'm just willing to go after listening to you. It's like, <laughs> I'm so impressed. Now, you mentioned something that got truly my attention, and actually the conversation that I had with Laura Scanlon was more related in terms of arts and education. And sure. that's how we began talking about uh, the, the Country Music Hall of Fame. Could you please share what you have uh, and, and, and the, the activities related on arts and education? And by the way, she mentioned that one of the investors sort of speak of this section of the Country uh, Music Hall of Fame was indeed Taylor Swift. Exactly, exactly, Taylor Swift. We love Taylor Swift, and she has been a friend to the museum for ever since the very beginning of her career. Believe it or not, she signed her very first contract on the steps of the museum. Really? So, yes, exactly. So that that was early on. She was about 15 years old at the time and, mm -hmm. and uh, got started young in the music business, has done so well mm -hmm. with this opportunity to uh, donate and, and really partner with us on on uh, uh, expanding came about. She was so quick to accept an opportunity to participate in the education programs that we were doing here, particularly in providing a space where these education programs could be mm -hmm. housed and presented on a regular basis. So the Taylor Swift Education Center is a brand new building that opened, uh, a brand new, new uh, facility within our building that opened at the same time as the, the new expansion that I referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. It's a 7,000 square foot space that has classrooms, uh, a distance learning lab that allows us to take some of our programming into schools that can't access it here in person. Mm -hmm. uh, there are all kinds of activities, including the, the main entrance to that is on the third floor, directly below it on another level is the Fred and Dinah Gretsch Family Gallery and the ACM uh, Contemporary Gallery, or the ACM Gallery. And those things are all under the larger structure of the Taylor Swift Education Center, mm -hmm. where almost 160,000 guests engaged in hands-on and educational activities over the course of 2014. Um, these things included uh, technology-based activities of finding out what your ideal music business job is, to mm -hmm. learning about the structure of writing a song, to just above that on the third floor in the classrooms of the Taylor Swift Education Center, mm -hmm. uh, about sec almost 700 educational programs were presented there, including programs like our cornerstone program, Words and Music, which is an opportunity for students, fifth grade students, mm -hmm. to complete a six-week curriculum in the classroom learning about the art of songwriting. Oh. They learn they learn about expression through rhyme and through meter and through all these great melody and mm -hmm. these, these great elements of songwriting. But they also develop their language art skills. Mm -hmm. They develop their their general communication skills and and the things that really are are interesting to tie them into the arts in a way that has been so gratifying here mm -hmm. to see students from all over the nation. Mm -hmm. through 690 of these programs in 2014 
come out of their shell, learn about this process, learn about the history of country music and how it affects them. Mm-hmm. Other programs include uh, musical petting zoos, which, you know, country music uh, really showcases some instruments that aren't necessarily used in the mm-hmm. classroom very mm-hmm. often, like banjos and mandolins and dulcimers and fiddles and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we, we have professional musicians to come in and allow students to have up-close, hands-on uh, touch experiences with these instruments and professional instructors to give them an opportunity to try their hand at these things. Oh my goodness! So, let me let me just make a pause. Let's continue please. this arts and education uh, conversation, but let me re-engage with the audience to let them know that you are listening and tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for the Delaware State of the Arts Radio Show. Our guest today. Believe it or not, is Ben Hall, Major Gifts Manager of the Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. We're so honored, Ben, to have you here. And thanking again to our good friend Laura Scanlon for putting putting us in contact um, to understand country music and how much it reflects of the American way of living. And and Nashville is becoming like a mecca, not only of the country music of um, the country itself, but also like a different kind of mecca based on what you just said in terms of arts and education and uh, the ramification on the uh, economic development side for Nashville itself as a city. Exactly, and that's that's happening. You know, Nashville has been labeled as Music City USA for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, radio had a lot to do with that in the mid-20s. WSM Radio came here to Nashville and put a nice tower up and, and started to broadcast the country music signal, the hillbilly music, wherever wherever uh, middle-class, uh, uneducated, frankly, mm-hmm. musicians who, who didn't have any pre-existing knowledge of, of how to make music, any real formal formal instruction on it. Mm-hmm. Many of them were playing homemade music. They were playing music that had a great Celtic flavor and the music that had become so so uh, signature to Appalachia, that area that, that was so influenced by the music of the British Isles, the Irish music, the Irish Celtic music, that dance style, the, the music that came from Scotland and those, those particular sounds. That mixed with the music of uh, the the churches here in the southeast, wherever Mm -hmm. these middle-class people were making music for themselves. Then you added the African-American influence of the music, the banjo, uh, later on blues music, and you started to get all of that together in one uh, conglomeration that became country music. When radio began to broadcast out of Nashville, such a powerful signal, those early artists gravitated here to be heard over the airwaves of WSM radio. About 25 years later, in the mid-1950s, rock and roll music had taken off, uh, which I might add was was another version of country music, frankly. It was was just uh, Mm -hmm. an addition to that and a derivative of country music. Mm -hmm. But folks began to come to Nashville again to record this time. So Mm -hmm. the Nashville sound took off and recording technology came to town. And and the idea to make country music a really nationally recognized and and competitive genre, Mm -hmm. that happened here. Artists began to move here. 
they they began to make the classic country music records that that uh, the world remembers, like Patsy Cline, mm-hmm. Crazy, and uh, uh, Eddie Arnold, Make the World Go Away, and uh, Don Gibson, all these great artists, mm-hmm. Willie Nelson later on, of course, and Dolly Parton and these artists moved to Nashville to become great country music artists, and they certainly did. Mm-hmm. Made records here, were on the radio here. The Grand Ole Opry was here, which is the longest-running radio show in the country. Uh, it was was a, a live radio show taking this sound around the world. And particularly the middle class, the blue-collar American, could relate to that mm-hmm. and could relate to these common the, the song of the common man, the, the song that was about the experiences that all these folks had had, whether it was heartbreak or whether it was uh, uh, lost love or hard work or, or uh, uh, about uh, just the, the, the human condition mm-hmm. was really the, the major ingredient of that. That is the foundation that has been built on decade by decade as, as the human condition has not really changed that much since the <laughs> mid-20s. We're still dealing with the same problems. We're still it hasn't dealing. changed that much, hasn't it? No kidding. Lost <laughs> love and all these things, hard times, you know. So right. Country music, the sound has changed to reflect uh, the preferences of people, but the, the subject matter is still the same. And that's why, that that's really what we can attest, that this art form has, has grown so uh, because it's certainly not static. It, it continues to evolve, and it continues to increase in popularity, and Indeed. folks uh, continue to identify with it, and we're awfully proud of that story. Now, uh, how are you involved in this project? You've been involved for, for quite some time now, but most importantly, you are enjoying what you are doing, which is a very refreshing thing uh, to see and witness. Tell us about your involvement, how you began uh, being related to the Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I I started out here in in Nashville as a student at Belmont University, Mm -hmm. moved to Nashville from my home state of Mississippi, and uh, I've had a a love and passion for country music for so long. Ever Mm -hmm. since I was a, a little kid, my dad would play these great country music recordings of Johnny Cash and and um, and, and all these artists that I, I really love so much. So as a student, I, I took a job here um, doing just anything that I could get my hands on. And after graduation, I moved into the development department. Right at the very time we had started this expansion, mm-hmm. I had started this capital campaign. So the awareness of Nashville and and the Country Music Hall of Fame in particular had just started to really reach a, a yeah, moment kind of, of taking of, off really uh, really headed toward the pinnacle where we are now mm-hmm. um, and it was such a fun time to get involved I've been in the development part department ever since and and done a little bit of everything within these this department but my very favorite thing to do is to share the mission of the museum and to share the the story of country music with folks who aren't so familiar with it, and uh, but who who quickly but are able to identify uh, with with the particular whether whether they know the music or are necessarily fans of the music when they mm-hmm. get here, uh, they at least have an appreciation for it when they leave, and that's it, it is America's music and 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 we love to share that story and that's my favorite part of the job. There you go. And now that we're talking about your your uh, loving for your job, how about sharing some contact information for those interested in either visiting and getting in contact with you, taking a look to the website maybe. 
Sure, absolutely. We would love to uh, have any visitors, of course, to our website, which stays up to date with programs and exhibits and all the great offerings that we have here, countrymusichalloffame.org. Uh, you're also more than welcome to follow us on Facebook, the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum, uh, our Twitter account, Country Music HOF. Uh, we can be followed there, and it's it's certainly uh, uh, always something happening here. And the, the, the story changes pretty often as exhibits rotate in and out. And uh, if, I, if I have just a second to add a quick story right now, Dylan Yeah, please, Cash, please. You have like a couple of minutes. Great, great. Let me tell you what we're doing right now. The exhibit just opened, and I hope to uh, ho hope that some of our listeners today will come visit. It's an outstanding exhibit. Dylan Cash and the Nashville Cats. That's Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, and the Nashville Cats, which is a group of studio musicians who played on everybody's recordings, including the great folk and rock artists that we wouldn't necessarily think of as being being country music uh, folks or Nashville recording artists like Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, Simon and Garfunkel, all these great artists who came to Nashville in the mid-60s and early 70s to get a hold of the recording process that was happening here, the studio musicians that were that were recording here, and that's when Nashville became a very multicultural, multi-genre recording center of the country. And we're really proud of that story. It, it's different. It's never been told before, mm. uh, but it, ha it has appeal to, to so many folks who aren't necessarily country music fans, mm -hmm. but just love music. Particularly if, you, if you're a fan of the music, of the folk music of the mid to late 60s, Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, mm -hmm. that particular style, it you will love naturally. this exhibit. Say that again? It connects naturally, so I'm sure people it are going does. to be really interested. It does. It connects so naturally, and uh, despite the social turmoil that was happening at the time, and and sort of historically, we would we would think of these two areas uh, between the music on the West Coast, the music from New York City, and the music here in Nashville. There would be quite a quite a gap there. This exhibit tells that social story so well of how that how that was bridged. Indeed, and, uh, and with that, guess what, Ben? I, I gotta say goodbye because time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. But, uh, by all means, connect with Ben Hall. Uh, he is uh, the major gifts manager at the Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. Thank you for your time today, Ben. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Come see us. You will do. Thank you.